Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So it's called uh, Glad You Asked, and I, I think, is there, yeah, the, there's the, does anybody remember that graphic there, Glad You Asked? So uh, we brought that back. Uh, it was even like, like nice to have the graphic. It gave our, our production t- team one less, <laughs> one less assignment to do to have a graphic already. But it's, it's kind of like the hows, what's, and the whys. So this, this can cover questions. So even if you have like a, a question, there, there's not a guarantee that we can answer every question. You know, but if you want to turn a question in at the hub, because we're going to do this the next three Sundays, then we have Christopher Alam, our guest speaker, the first Sunday in March, and then we have the next three Sundays in March. So we're going to do this like six weeks, and it can be totally different from one week to the next. And so that it's going to be like a variety kind of thing, very different from one week to the next. So here's this week. Here is a, a, a couple questions for this week that we're going to answer. And the first uh, question is, does God still heal today? And then secondly, what were the main components when Jesus healed? So does God still heal today? And then what were the main components when Jesus walked on the earth? What were the main components that when Jesus healed? And so we're going to look into that today. And uh, healing is a, a supernatural thing. And thank God that we have doctors. And I think it's a really healthy outlook as Christians to honor and respect doctors for who they are and what they studied. And I heard an older wise minister say one time that they're fighting the same enemy that uh, we are Christians fighting, and that's sickness and disease. Sickness and disease is an enemy, you know. And so thank God uh, that there's doctors, but then also thank God for the supernatural. And, and God is a supernatural God. And we're going to look into that. I remember uh, there's so many... Because there, there's a number of years that we traveled as traveling ministers, and ministers, Patsy and myself, and the main thing that God emphasized through me was faith and healing. And so I did that for a, a while where I, I did a lot of meetings and it had to do with divine healing. So I do have a lot of testimonies. But then there's also some testimonies since we started to pastor. So when we were in the other building, uh, there was a, a man that came to church one Sunday and he was an alcoholic. And uh, he left after church, but he, about 15 minutes after he left, the Lord said, go back there and have Pastor Tony lay hands on you because I want to deliver you. Well, I'm, I'm just up talking to people like I normally do. I, I just talk to whoever wants to talk after a service. And he shows back up about 15 or 20, about, probably about 20 minutes after the service was over. And he comes up to me, and this is after I talked to a bunch of people, and you're already, your mind is on different things. You're, you're already talking about maybe something different with somebody that it wasn't what I preached or anything. But he comes up and said, hey, the Lord told me to come back here, and the Lord told me if you laid hands on me, you know, that I would be delivered from alcoholism. Well, of course, as soon as you hear something like that, you immediately have to think, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being, and I'm flesh too. And you think, wow, you know. Like, I trust he doesn't get disappointed. And I think sometimes in Christianity with all of us that sometimes we'll back off because we, we don't want to disappoint people and we're not as bold or confident with, with what God has given us as we should be. And so, you know, I, but I, that's going on in my head, but you would have never known that was going on in my head. So he said that, and I just said, okay, and I laid hands on him, and I prayed a prayer. 
And I prayed a prayer, and my prayer was that God would recreate his, or cleanse, not sorry, cleanse his blood and make it clean so he's no longer addicted to alcohol. And I laid hands on him. And, you know, to make a long story short, uh, he was on the front row the next Sunday, and he was on the front row for many, a couple years straight just about, you know. And, uh, and he didn't touch another drop of alcohol for a couple years, okay. So I, you know that God is real, and, you know, when he wants to cleanse blood and deliver people from habits, he can very easily do it because he's the one that invented blood to begin with. So this whole thing about healing is it's, it's God, and it's, it's real, okay? Now, I grew up in a household, and we were, um, you know, denominational, and we didn't, um, we were encouraged when I grew up, and, you know, America, of course, you know, I grew up there you can, by my accent. It's a big place, and, you know, from one side of it to the other, you know, with 300-plus million people, and then it has different kind of cultures as you go across. So I was up in the northeast corner where most of the Europeans settled. And so it was very heavy European where I grew up. We had a lot of Italians. We had a lot of Greeks, uh, a lot of Jewish people, a lot of Polish people. That, that was the big four in, in where I grew up. But so it was denominational. And so I went, of course, uh, as an Italian that, that wasn't born again, I attended a Catholic church like my whole family. And every Catholic church across America, they can be different, especially as you go further west. They were, they were different than the ones in the east. They weren't maybe so European, but they were more, you know, more progressive. And, and so there were some of them that preached that you must be born again. I didn't grow up in a church that said you must be born again. I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I wasn't saved where I grew up. And not only that, our priest told us in our church, don't read your Bible because if you read it, it will just confuse you. You know, and so we, we never read the Bible. We didn't know anything. So uh, my brother, who was two years younger than me, uh, we were just, uh, I, we were doing our homework around the table uh, many years ago when I was just young. And, and, and uh, I, I think I was in high school. But my brother, two years younger, he was like a straight A student. And I was not. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was the, you know, goof off of the family. And so I'm doing my homework, and my mother's like yelling, yeah, keep your nose in the book, why don't you pay it, you know, concentrate, get your homework done. And, and I said, why don't you, and I, I pointed to my brother, and I said, why don't you say something to him? And I called him, like, I said, the little brownie over there, why don't you say something to him, the straight A student. And, I'm, and as I'm doing that, he just falls over and has a grand mal seizure. It was like freaky, and it wasn't because I was doing, but we... I screamed and I start running around. We had a hallway that went around, like in, in through that hallway where the bedrooms. I'm running around the hallway screaming at the top of my, my brother's on the floor like this, my mother's crying. It was like wild. And anyway, to make a long story short, he got rushed to the hospital and after two weeks they diagnosed him with grandma epilepsy. And I said all of that to say, you know, what we were told, you know, uh, by our, you know, the, the priest from where I went is that, that, that God trusted him so much that he couldn't trust other people and that he gave him this cross of grandma epilepsy to carry and we didn't read the bible and we didn't know any better and so there was nothing we did we just thought well and he began to get you know after a while when you're just young and you can't drive you can't ride a bicycle you can't swim you can't do any of those things you know and he starts to get suicidal and we had nothing nothing to help him we had no we were not armed with anything, 
We didn't know a thing. And so, you know, then he eventually, he went to uh, a party uh, with, some, cool thing is they were born again Christians, and it was the first time our family, my father dropped him off at somebody's house in the country, and they had a lake in their backyard, but they were born again Christians. And so they led him to the Lord that day, and then an hour later when no one was watching, he had a seizure and fell in the lake and he drowned. But the cool thing is he's with the Lord. And, and even as an encouraging thing, a lot of times you might think, well, I, I probably have relatives that no one, they went to hell. We, we got saved after my brother drowned. It wasn't until one year later that we ran into the two girls that led him to the Lord. And then I start realizing, you know, the, the precious blood of Jesus was so precious that God, he's not going to let anyone go to hell. He's going to do his best. He sent somebody, he knew what was going to happen. And you might say, well, why didn't he heal him of epilepsy? You know, I, I don't question God. I, I don't do that. I don't blame God. That's just the way that I decided to live after I became a Christian. So he didn't get healed, but he got saved, and he's been up in heaven ever since. You know, so, so this whole thing with healing, though, once we got saved and once we saw that God was good, that Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly, that, uh, that Jesus took our sickness and our pains and all those things. Once, you know, that became very interesting, especially to our family because of what happened with my brother and epilepsy. So this is something that's very dear to my heart when it comes to, we talk about healing and, and God along these lines. So uh, just to answer the question that we, we're talking about today, we want to talk about there's, there's two components to obtain healing. There's two components, and we want to look at the two main components. Now, I should say this. If you really want to look at the healing ministry of Jesus, there were different ways that he healed, and we're going to not be able to look at every single way, but we're going to look at one way today that Jesus healed. And this one way that, you know, this, this could carry on. And what we're looking at today will, it can pertain to a couple different ways that he healed. So it's not just one way. But there's two components that are on, and they're included in various ways that Jesus healed. Get that? So there's two components we're looking at today, and they can be included in various ways that Jesus healed. So let's look at Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38. And that says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So notice in that scripture, it says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. So notice that the first component, when, if you want two important components for healing, one important component to have healing happen is the anointing, okay? Uh, and the anointing, what, what is the anointing? Well, uh, well, we'll talk about it in a second, okay? Let's look at the other component, and then we'll start talking about these. Mark chapter 5 and verse 34, here's the second component. Uh, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. So we'll just stop right there because in that we see another component. We saw the anointing or power of God, and now we see another component, your faith. So we could say this, that when those two components are in manifestation, when God's power is in manifestation and there is somebody that responds and uses faith when God's power is in manifestation, good things happen. And one of the good things that happen is healing. You know, uh, healing happens. So let's uh, break it down and let's talk about the first component today. And we want to just say a few things about the anointing. Uh, 
So like, how can we explain or define the anointing? And, uh, you know, a couple summers ago, and I'm glad it's a couple summers ago, and it hasn't been every summer, but I got this thing with, not to gross you out, but, you know, my feet were just so itchy. And then you start, and then they get like red, you know, and, and, you know, so I went to the pharmacist and said, do you have a cream for this? And I go, and they said, oh, that's from the hot, humid weather. Don't wear socks. They, your feet need to breathe. But put this cream on, and you got to put it on every single day. And so I forget what they call that, you know. What do they call that when that happens from the hot, steamy weather? And, they, and, and the pharmacist said, that can come back every year. Thank the Lord it happened about three or four years ago, and it hasn't come back. But, you know, I, I rubbed cream on it, and they said rub it on in the morning and at, in nighttime, and just do it for about five days or six days in a row. And, you know, it, it killed it. It got rid of it. But, you know, it's that cream, and then you rub it on. So here's what we could say about it. It's, it's like smearing medicine on a rash. If you look the word up uh, for anointing, and I think I put Greek there, but I think it should be Hebrew, and sorry about that, but it should be the idea of contact to smear or rub with oil. And so you'll see that anointing is used more in the Old Testament than it is in the New. The New Testament only has that word a few times, but the New Testament has the word grace like 150 times. We could say in the New Testament, instead of that we're anointed, we could say we're graced, but it's okay to use the word anointed. So if you're anointed, you're graced, and if there is an anointing present, there's power present. So we could say it this way, that God desires to smear or rub his power on us. Like God desires to smear or rub his power on us. So like Jesus was anointed with the power of God. He was smeared like God rubbed and smeared like his power in and on Jesus. Okay? And there was so much on him that when somebody touched him or he touched other people, it got off of him and on them. Okay? So as we talk about uh, that uh, that power and that anointing that was on Jesus. Let's go and say a little bit more about it now. He was just smeared with the power of God. Let's talk about this. How then did Jesus release that anointing or how the anointing that was on Jesus, how was it dispensed, okay? How did, how did they get from him to somebody else? So let's look at the first one here that we see the first one uh, in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 1. And it says that he went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom? What is the wisdom given to him? And then look at this, how are such mighty works done by his hands. And so if we were to look at the first way that Jesus dispensed what was smeared and rubbed all over him, we can see the f one way that he d got it from him to somebody else is it was by touching, it was by his hands. Now, you see what's underlined there where it says, how are such mighty works? You see that word mighty, that word mighty in the Greek is the word dunamis. And that's where we get an, our English word dynamite. So when you think about the hands of Jesus, it, when it talks about mighty works, it's like dynamite works 
his hands were smeared and rubbed with, and you could say dynamite power was flowing through his hands, and the dynamite power would eradicate and blow up sickness and disease. You know, praise God. You know, that you're, you, if you're a Christian and Jesus is your Lord, start thinking about your hands that dynamite, dunamis dynamite power can flow through your hands that will eradicate and blow up sickness and disease right from your hands. It can happen. You know, I, I, that's a couple times since we've been married, and, uh, and when you get married, you, you know the stages of the whole thing where you see somebody and you're infatuated, and then, you know, it goes from all, all of the infatuation to everything, and then you get married, and then you start living together. And when you start living together, the wife can see things about me that she didn't know. She saw some while we were you know, in that, but then you get in somebody's house, and then there's certain things that I do that could, like, put the toilet seat down, please, you know, like, stuff like that, you know, and then there's certain things that your wife can do, just little things like that, and so, you know, those little things, you can't allow those little things to change what you see about each other, and one thing about my wife, even though I'm not perfect, she always has believed in the gift that's in me, and what flows through me, no matter if I don't put a toilet seat down, no matter if I get real picky, like, why didn't you lock the door? You know, because she grew up in a little town where you could leave the key in your ignition on Main Street in, in this little town in Colorado, and I didn't grow up somewhere like that, so she, she, you know, she might not lock the door on the house, or she, and when we first got married, that, like, I can't believe you didn't lock the door. She was just, like, in total peace. You see what I'm saying? Those are the little things. Well, Here's how important it is uh, to not let those little things affect the way that we see people and the gifts. So when we, for like a couple months after we were married, I don't know how far into our marriage really, I don't remember, but she had a, a really bad stomach ache. Patsy had a really bad stomach ache. And uh, during, right in the middle of the night, she took my hand and she woke me up and she pulled my hand and put it on her stomach. I was like in the, really sleeping heavy and she took my hand and put it on her stomach. And it woke me up, and I go, what are you doing? She goes, my stomach's hurting really bad, and I'm just, I'm, I just believe the power of God's going to flow through your hand and into my stomach, you know, and heal me. And to make a long story short, it, she was completely healed. And I was like groggy, hardly awake. <laughs> see, see, like when we look at one another, when I look at people, I appreciate the gift that's in them. You know, we all have flesh. But let's not magnify our fleshly, let's like really honor the gifts that are in people. Like, you know, like husbands and wives that, you know, you, you honor what you have like you're a gift. Isn't that wonderful? I honor the gift that's in my wife. And, and when, I, when she's ministering and I'm sitting there, I'm there to receive. I'm not there like looking at her like she's a wife, she's a ministry gift. We, we honor ministry gifts. We honor that, what God has put, the gifts that God has put in people. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And so, so this, this thing about the hands of Jesus, that dynamite power flowed through those hands. Okay, so that's one way that he released the anointing. Let's look at another way in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 38. It says, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. 
Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they, they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and began to serve. So uh, I, this is another way that you can release God's power or anointing. You can release it with your hands, but you can also release it with your mouth. Like our mouth, when we put God's word in our mouth, and with that word in our mouth, we have an understanding of our authority and the fact that God's word in our mouth is just like his word coming out of his mouth. You know, and, and that, that sounds a little bit, wow, are you, if, if we take scriptures, not things that we make up, but if we take God's word, that's his will. And if we put it in our mouth, his word coming from our mouth is his will, and he honors it. And so we had that happen when we lived in, 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 um, in uh, Sicily. It started the first time, you know, we had our, our uh, Liliana, our daughter, was five months old way back when we lived in Sicily, and, and a high fever came on her. You know, and uh, to make a long story short, you know, one reason that I'm so fervent about these kind of things is because they have worked many times for us. Many times. You know, it's like some people say, is healing really for today? And I really wonder about it. I don't wonder at all. It's for today. And we've experienced it quite often. And so our daughter had a high fever. And to make a long story short, I fed on the word of God. I got it in my mouth and I, I rebuked that fever and it left her. It left her. That's one, and these things are real and they work, okay? And uh, so we're, we're sold out to them. And then maybe you'll say, well, hey, I, I know somebody that was the same way as you, but they didn't have results. And, and what, how do you answer that? You know, I really can't answer that, but I can't change what the Bible says, you know? And so it's a thing that, uh, you know, I, I know that sometimes when we choose to honor the Word of God, sometimes we have a thought, well, maybe we'll offend somebody. So, well, maybe if we say that it takes faith to be healed, somebody could be offended because they'll say, are you, I, I haven't received my healing. Are you accusing me that I don't have faith? And the answer would be no. No one is accusing anyone, but the Bible just shows us that there's two main components, God's power and faith. And faith is our response back to what God did. You know, we... You know, when we respond back to what God promises or what he did in Christ, that's like our response back is what you would call trust or faith. You know, so we see that in the Bible. And so we, we don't want anyone to feel bad or ever hurt, you know, and, and so everyone's different. Now, I chose when I got saved, and this, I recommend this for everyone, get to a place where you're not, you're, you're not in existence to question God to second-guess God, to question His Word, to blame God or anything. Get, get, get into that. If you're not in that place, get there really quickly. Get there really quickly. Be, because the faster everyone gets to that place, I know, I know what it's done for me. I just don't live my life where I question God or blame God. Okay? And so, so we, we can't answer everything. There is a scripture in the Old Testament that says the secret things belong to the Lord. You know, and there's certain things, if God doesn't want to reveal them to us, he doesn't have to. And we might not, all, not always know the answer. But, you know, we're, like what we do know, we can be really strong about it. 
And so we do know that these, these scriptures show us uh, what we're looking at. They show it to us pretty clear, okay? I like the way that it says he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. It's almost like a picture that we have authority over sickness and disease. And it kind of paints that picture. He stood over her and he rebuked the fever. The fever is under our feet, under the name of Jesus, you could say. The fever's under us. And, you know, we always have to know that when we speak to pain, when we speak to sickness, when we speak to disease, it's under our feet. It, and it has to obey what we say, okay? All right, so let's look at uh, another thing here. Let's, we saw that Jesus released the anointing with his hands and with his mouth. Let's just look at this really quickly, and let's ask this question, how powerful is the anointing? How powerful is it, okay? And look at 2 Kings in verse number 13 and verse 20. It says, so Elisha died, and they buried him. Now, bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen, and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. So here is somebody that's dead, and here is like in the Old Testament, Elijah was a prophet, and here's a dead prophet, and his flesh has all rotted off of his bones, but in his bones was still a residue of the anointing. And when that dead person hit those bones, the anointing, it's so powerful that it came out of the bones and into the dead person and raised the guy from the dead. So not only did the guy, you know, if somebody dies, their spirit departs and goes up. Well, hopefully it went up for him. We don't know that, but, but the spirit departs from the body. So think about what happened. When, when that dead man hit the bones, his spirit had to come back into his body. And not only that, whatever killed him had to be healed. And that all happened from the anointing is so powerful that it can stay in somebody's bones while they're, if they're in their tomb. It can still be in somebody's bones. Amazing. Okay. So you notice the way that it is worded there. It says that touched and revived. Those two words jumped out to me. Touched, he touched the bones, and then he was revived. Think about the anointing that if... You know, we touch somebody that wants prayer. The touch has an effect. Touch, revive. Touch, heal. There's something about touch when the, God ordained it to be that way. Isn't God a, a, amazing in the fact that he chose to use imperfect flesh and blood vessels because none of us are perfect sit in this room, and he chose to use us as vessels for his mighty power to flow through. Amazing. It's really amazing. Okay. So, and, and this, 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 this um, here's another thing that happened. We were in Sicily. We were in a city in Sicily called Vittoria. And, the, and we were in a church. And the pastor of that church, he was from a city called Potenza. So he would make a little joke that, he, uh, you know, in Italian, that he was born in power, because Potenza means power, and he lives in victory because Vittoria means victory. So his little thing was, I was born, because the city, I was born in power and I live in victory. That's a good thing to say. So we were in his church 
and there, we had a special conference going on, and it wasn't a real big church, you know, so like probably it was as wide as this section here with an aisle in the middle, you know, and uh, there, there, you know, there might have been 40 or 50 people at the meeting, and there was an older man that walked into the meeting, and he walked up the middle aisle, and he had um, Parkinson's disease, I believe it was, and he walked in. This is the first time anyone ever saw him, first time he, he stepped foot into that church. He heard that there were special meetings going on. So uh, we, were doing a, we were doing a meeting on faith and healing, I mean prayer and healing, and Patsy was ministering on prayer, and I was ministering on healing. So I was ministering on healing that night, and I preached a message. And then at the end of the message, he walked up, and I laid hands on him. And, you know, and when he walked up, because he, no one really knew him, he walked up you know, the way that you would walk with Parkinson's. He walked up that way. And I had ministered a message about suddenlies. You know, there's like, if you look in the Bible, you'll see the word suddenly and immediately. So I ministered a message called suddenly and immediately. And when you minister like that, it puts you kind of like people want to see results because the whole thing was like, that Jesus laid hand on, and suddenly, you know, and immediately they were healed. So I, I did a message on those lines, and then he came up, and I laid hands on him. And after I laid hands on him, he walked, back, and he walked back away like that. And everyone, they looked at him, and they looked at me, and it was like, you just preached something totally different than what we saw. So we dismissed everybody, and we, the next night, that man walked in again the same way, where he was struggling with walking, sat down. I preached a different message on healing. He came up, laid hands on him again. He turned around and he walked back to his seat the same way. Everybody looked at him and they looked at me like, what are you going to do? And, and you know, here's the thing. I made a decision a long time ago. We're here to preach the gospel. We're not here to defend God or defend it. It says to contend for the faith. It doesn't say to defend it. So we contend for the faith. We preach it, but we're, I don't have to defend God. I don't have to defend his word. So the, the last night of the meeting, we did three nights in a row. That guy comes back the same way, preached another message on healing. He comes up, lay hands on him. He turned and walked out the same exact way. Three nights in a row. The nice thing is he got born again on the first night, so at least he became a Christian. So then we had, a couple months later, we had a conference. We, when we flew back, we were, that was in Sicily, and we were living in Rome. We flew back to Rome. All I thought about on the airplane was that guy. Like, it, that's, I thought, man, I know that there was power there. M you know, like my hands were hot. I felt the power of God flowing through my hands into the guy. And I thought, I know there was power there. I, I could not understand why there wasn't results. Well, a couple months later, we had a conference going on up in the middle of Italy. And that pastor came to the conference. And he came up to me and he said, do you, you remember the guy that came? And I said, I sure do. I probably have no idea how much I thought about that. <laughs> You know, because, and he said, I saw him a week later in the center of town, and he was walking totally normal. And I went up to him and said, what is going on? And he said, he said, after a, a number of days after, it, it hit, it just hit me, and I was totally healed. And so sometimes, you know, we don't realize how real God's power is, and sometimes we don't realize that it doesn't happen right in front of our eyes but it happens down the road. And so when we're talking about these things, you know, uh, it's not necessarily what we feel and what we see all the time. You might not see it right away and you might not feel it all the way, but it's really important what we believe about it. So if you can believe that there's power flowing through somebody's hands, if you can believe that when we speak 
and use our authority against sickness and disease, whether we feel or see anything, if you can believe as soon as it's done, as soon as hands are laid on somebody, as soon as we speak, it begins, something starts right at that moment, whether we feel it or not, okay? Uh, look at this scripture, Acts chapter 19 and verse 11, it says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even uh, handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. So Paul isn't even present. Somebody brought, hanker they brought handkerchiefs. He put his hands there. We know at least two places God's anointing will stay. It'll stay in bones and it'll go into cloth. It'll go into bones and come out because we just read it. It'll go into cloth and, and come out. So we can say that bones and cloth and flesh even are containers for the power of God. You know, the anointing. Okay, so what, what you see there is how the, uh, the power went into the cloth, but the power came back out of the cloth, and the power did the same thing as if Paul was there in person. That is how real and tangible the power of God is. It's real, it's tangible, okay? And, and we know that the, the dead soldier couldn't use his faith. So there's times that like, you, you know, faith is one of the components, but that dead soldier couldn't use his faith. There's stories of people that are in mental institutes that are laying there and they're out of their mind where somebody took a cloth that was, had hands laid on it, put it on somebody that did, they were not, they were out of their mind and they walked out of the mental institute with all the papers. The doctor says they're completely well. It wasn't their faith either. So faith is one of the components, but you know, God is so good that for people that can't, he helps them. Praise God. Okay. So let's just uh, finish up here and look at, let, I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures and then I'll, I'll make comments. So I'm not going to comment till after we read a bunch of verses. Let's look at something about faith. Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. It says, there was, a, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. She suffered much under many physicians. She, had all, she spent all she had and was nothing better but rather grew root, worse. She had heard of reports about Jesus and came in the... Uh, I'm not reading the King James Version. I got to get this because it's a different translation. I want to say the King James even though this is saying something else. Let me do this again. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of, of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Wonderful story. Here's a summary about just what happened in that story. So first of all, it's important for everyone to know it doesn't matter how long you have had a condition or sickness because she had it 12 years. So if there's anybody here, if you've had something for a long time, just know with God it doesn't matter how long because sometimes as people, human beings and flesh, we, we sometimes lose hope and we think, well, I've had it for so long and I'm getting older and this is just one of the results of getting older. Don't think that way. With God, all things are possible. She had it for 12 years, but when Jesus showed up, it was eradicated, okay? So even, even if the doctors can't cure you, God can, okay? Secondly, 
it's important to hear the right thing. And so what we try to do here at uh, our church here, uh, we try to preach the right thing. It's important to hear the right thing. Like, it's God's will to heal. You know, it's important to say that. You know, whether everyone believes it or not, we will continue to say it is God's will to heal, and it's God's will to heal everyone. He's not a respecter of people. So we will continue to say that. It's important to hear that. It's important. It brings hope. When we say things like that, it gives people hope. And God, he's that kind of a God. He wants everyone to have hope. So she heard the right thing. She heard about Jesus, okay? And then, you know, once she heard, she acted. So it's important to act. You know, I I like to say it this way. There's times when a window will open up. There's like windows that open up, like heavenly windows. You know, and when, when there's a window that opens up, they're like windows of opportunity, And a window of opportunity, what am I talking about? Well, this lady heard about Jesus, and faith came into her heart, and she believed if she could get out and touch him, she would be healed. That was like a window of opportunity that opened up. How do do those windows open up? When we hear God's word and faith comes into our heart, it's like a window of opportunity opens up. Now, you guys know as well as I do, sometimes when you're in church, there will be a window of opportunity that opens up, and maybe you should say something or do something but when you go and start talking to people after and you get in your car and drive, let me ask you the question, you know, what happened to that window? Is it still open? So there are certain times that a window will open up and faith is there. It's important at that time to do something, to act. Okay, so even today, you know, we're going to have our ministry team up here. And if you have, if faith came into your heart where you can believe that laying on of hands, that power will go into you, you can come up today and have hands laid on you by our ministry team. And there's a number of our ministry team that they have that same anointing that I do. You know, there's a corporate anointing. Every, once you, you have a local church, the DNA that we grew up under, which was a strong healing anointing, it's in this church. It's corporately here because it's part of our DNA. And there's other people that carry it. I'm not the only one. And we've had other testimonies of people being healed, and I wasn't the one that laid hands on them. So if you have pain or sickness in your body today, we have a DNA, a corporate anointing in this church, and it's a good time. If there's a window of opportunity where you have faith in your heart that you know when hands are laid on you that power will go into your body, today can be the day that you come up and have prayer, okay? So we'll finish up here real quickly. And so the next thing that we see, uh, once you hear, it's important to act. And note that faith originates in the heart. It's not the head, it's the heart. The Word of God talks to our spirit. Faith can be released with actions and words. That lady said something and did something. She said, if Jesus touches me, I will be made whole. She made her way to him and she touched him. Her faith was displayed with her words and with her actions, okay? And the same thing goes with us also. All right, and then uh, the lady heard and she physically acted by going to touch Jesus. Like she had to leave her house and push through the streets. And then she also said what she expected to receive once she touched Jesus. You know, when you have hands laid on you, be, it's okay to get specific. Say like, when hands are laid on me, God's power will go into me and God's power will seek and find the sick part of my body. Like the, the Lord told me this one time, this is like an original, <laughs> like, uh, no, I, I don't know if it's an original. I think I claimed it. I added on to it. 
I heard my brother-in-law something and I embellished it and made it more. So I, 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 I want to be very honest with you. So it's not totally 100% me. It was my brother-in-law and part me. So to make sure I'm honest. Okay. But I heard my brother-in-law say one time that the Holy Ghost is intelligent. Okay. And when I heard him say the Holy Ghost is intelligent, I added this on that when hands are laid on you, the Holy Spirit's intelligent and the Holy Spirit, this is the part I got, he will seek and find the root of sickness and disease and he'll go right to the problem. Whether you know where it is or not, the Holy Spirit is God and he's as intelligent as God. And when you have hands laid on you, the Holy Spirit can go right to the root of the problem and fix it. Okay? Okay. Praise God. So you see what happened with this lady is that her faith, in a sense, pulled the power of God into her body. Okay, so as we get ready to close up today, I'm just going to do this real quick question. Can believers do this today? Can you do this? Can it still be done? And look what the Bible says, Mark 16, 17. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will. And then I kind of made it shorter for time's sake. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It belongs to all of us. Uh, and God is still doing it today. Now, there is another thing. We were down on the Gold Coast before we start pastoring this church, and we were traveling in Australia, and we were at a church, and I was ministering along the lines of healing. And so somebody brought a cloth, and I laid hands on it. And they, they had a neighbor that had lupus disease, and they, I guess when a lady has lupus disease, she's not able to get pregnant. Is, am I correct about that? Anyway, they brought the cloth up, and I laid hands on that cloth. They took that cloth to the la- their neighbor, who had lupus disease. When I saw them down the road, they told me that their, li- their neighbor was totally healed of lupus disease. The anointing or power went into that cloth, it came back out, and it eradicated the lupus disease, and she got pregnant too. Praise the Lord. So God is still healing today. Amen. So look at this one last scripture, John 14 and verse number 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and uh, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I and going to my Father, it's for us today. We can still do the same works. Father, I thank you so much for everyone that's here today, Lord. Thank you, Father, that uh, it's your will to heal. It's your will to heal everyone, Father. I thank you for the corporate anointing that's in our, our church here, Father God, that there's more than one. There's many people that carry the healing anointing that flows through Father, you even said in your word that anybody that believes can lay hands on the sick. So, Father, we thank you for a tangible corporate healing anointing that flows through people even this morning, Father, even this morning, now. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, Lord. You're so good. If you, if you could just close your eyes for a second, I want to lead you in a prayer real quickly. If you're with us today and you say, Pastor Tony, I don't know Jesus is my Lord and like my heart was really moved today. I'm not quite sure everything going on in my heart, but all I know is I have a desire for Jesus. As you were ministering, it's something, there's just, I feel love, I feel like this attraction, I feel like Jesus is, he is Savior and I want him. If that's you today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The Bible simply says, if we believe in our heart and say with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we shall be saved, we want to pray that prayer and give you an opportunity today to pray. If you're really attracted to Jesus right now and you feel the love and feel him just pulling you toward him and you're thinking, I want him, 
the way to get him is to pray this prayer. So I want to invite everyone to close their eyes. If that's you this morning, I, I invite you to pray. And I invite you to concentrate when you pray and, and mean it with every fiber of your heart. Pray this prayer. So let's pray it together. Uh, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. You shed your blood for me. You went to hell for me. You took sin for me. You were raised from the dead for me. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, you are Lord. You are welcome in my heart. Thank you so much. You first loved me, and now I love you because of that love that you gave me. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.